Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker. I am the host and creator of the Bible in Life, and I am grateful for you. Glad that you're joining me on the Bible in Life. Here's what I can't believe. By the time this episode is released, it will be only about a week and a half till Christmas. How in the world did that happen? Uh, I feel like this year just raced by. So many things have happened. Uh, and it's just flown by. And so here we are at the end of another year, approaching another Christmas. And I'll have to admit, my Christmases over the last handful of years have gotten really exciting again just because of grandkids in the house uh, coming over and their excitement and their joy. It is an incredible blessing. So I don't know how the Christmas season strikes you. I don't know what your holiday plans are. Uh, but I pray that somehow in the midst of this Christmas season, whatever the struggle, whatever the difficulty, whatever the excitement, uh, whatever the tradition, whether you're going to be with family or apart from family, I pray that somehow in the midst of this season, you can experience not just the wonder and the magic of the Christmas season in your cultural context, but more gr profoundly, the wonder and the amazingness of the fact that, that Jesus came to us. And so last week, in that spirit, uh, we began a four-part Advent series. And as I noted, we're a little off the Advent calendar. We're actually going to finish our Advent series after Christmas, completely going against the traditional calendar. But that's just the way things kind of fell for us this year. And so we started our Advent series um, and... We began last week by just talking about the Advent theme of hope and that Advent itself and hope in particular uh, really invites us into a posture of waiting, waiting and watching with eagerness and with anticipation for the Jews leading up to the first Advent of Christ. That, that posture of waiting was, when is the Messiah going to come? When is God going to free us from our oppression? And for us today, we still exist in that posture of waiting, wondering, when is the final day going to come? When are all things going to be made new? When is the restoration of all things going to happen? And that's what we're waiting for. And so we exist in this posture of waiting. And so we introduced our Advent series last week by exploring that theme. And today we want to pick up with another traditional Advent theme. We want to look at a handful of texts that kind of explore and revolve around this theme. And that theme is the theme of joy. And for many people, the Christmas season naturally invites joy. There's uh, there's there's family, there's friends, there's traditions, there's parties, there's anticipation of the big day and all sorts of fun. And for some people, the shopping and the buying of gifts and the wrapping of gifts, oh, that's just something so exciting. And there's natural joy. For other people, the Christmas season uh, doesn't invite joy. It invites sadness, sense of grief and loss and loneliness and heartache. Um, and so Advent reminds us of joy. And we want to explore that theme by looking first at a, a passage, again, another traditional Christmas passage, another traditional Advent passage, Isaiah chapter 9. Um, Isaiah 9, we looked at last week with the promise of the coming son who's going to bear the government on his shoulders and he's going to bring righteousness and justice to the world. Well, we pick up this week with Isaiah 9 at the very beginning of the chapter, Isaiah 9 
verses 2 and 3 says this, the people who walk in darkness, we're talking about the Jewish people and their exile and um, the, the darkness of oppression and difficulty, right? It wasn't a happy time. It was a dark season uh, for centuries, actually. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Light is going to break into the darkness. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You will multiply the nation. You will increase their, here's our word, you will increase their joy. They will rejoice in your presence as with the joy of harvest, as people rejoice when they divide the spoils. So this was the promise. This was the picture painted. This was one of the things the Jews in the, the centuries leading up to the coming of Christ, this is one of the things they were counting on, waiting for, hoping it. When will the light break through? When will oppression be ended? When can we rejoice in God's presence as with the joy of harvest? They were waiting and watching and hoping and longing for these words of Isaiah chapter 9 to be fulfilled. And here's what Matthew writes in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4 actually hearkens back to Isaiah 9 and says it it came about in the ministry of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, picking up in verse 12, says, Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee, the northern part around the Sea of Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He came and settled in Capernaum, a town on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This happened so that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet will be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people, here it is, Isaiah 9, the people who were sitting in darkness saw great light. And those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. And so Matthew is saying, look, here in this person, in Jesus, in his first advent, this, this passage and promise from Isaiah 9 is fulfilled. And notice what Isaiah 9 promises, that when that happens, you will increase their joy. They will rejoice in your presence as with the joy of harvest, as people rejoice when they divide the spoils of war. Notice all the references to joy. Joy, rejoice, joy, rejoice, four times in four lines. Uh, there's a heavy emphasis that when uh, this promise is fulfilled, there will be great joy. And Matthew says it was fulfilled in the first advent of Jesus. And that brings joy to the world. And notice, think about what Isaiah 9 says. You will increase their joy. They will rejoice in your presence. And then these last two lines, as with the joy of harvest, as people rejoice when they divide the spoils. At harvest time, it's naturally a time of celebration. You don't have to try to rejoice. You don't have to try to whip up some sort of feelings of pleasure and happiness. You're genuinely grateful and happy for the bounty of the harvest. And in their culture, it was a communal celebration. The whole village would work together in bringing in the grain and winnowing the grain and preparing uh, the, the grain and all of that. It was a communal celebration of joy that just happened naturally and spontaneously every harvest season. The same is true with the picture of those dividing the spoils of war, like victory has been won, uh, oppression has been uh, 
you know, dealt with, our enemies have been repelled, and now we celebrate and we rejoice for our victory. That's the picture of this spontaneous, exuberant, natural rejoicing. Matthew says that this promise was fulfilled, this great light dawned, when Jesus first came into the world. In fact, in the traditional well-known Christmas story recorded in Luke chapter 2, here's uh, the way Luke writes, Luke 2, picking up in verse 8, hear the story of Jesus' first advent. It says this, In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. So this display of these spiritual beings all of a sudden bursting into the night caused these shepherds to quake with fear. But then look what the angel says to them. Verse 10, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, what's the good news? For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord. And so this news of Jesus' birth, this first coming, this first advent of Messiah, the Lord Jesus, our King, is good news of great joy. And so we celebrate at Advent season, at Christmas time, joy. Joy not because all our circumstances are right, not because everything is perfect. We celebrate in joy because Messiah has come. The King has been born. A great light has, been, has broken into the darkness of the world. And that kind of joy happens just because, just because um, the way people celebrate at harvest, the way people celebrate when victory has been assured, it just happens. And so this season is a season of rejoicing to remind us of good news, of great joy, not good circumstances and good feelings, but good news. The king has come. Um, victory in a certain sense, has been won. He won the victory over the powers of death and sin, the spiritual powers of evil. He won that victory through his death on the cross. Jesus' first advent is news of not just some joy, of great joy. And yet, and yet the world still is full of plenty of darkness. And yet there is still plenty of evil in our world. And yet there is still oppression and injustice. And yet Messiah has come, but we still long for all things to be made new. We're still in that place of waiting. And so we still have this tension. And so Isaiah's promise uh, and Messiah's coming it didn't quite work out maybe the way the Jews who were hoping and thought. They were expecting when he came the first time, all sin, all oppression, all sickness, all death, all evil would be removed. Darkness would be banished and light would prevail. But it didn't quite work out that way. Uh, Messiah came. It was good news of great joy. And yet darkness still remained. And so we have this overlap 
between the darkness and the light. We have this tension between the good news of great joy and the prevailing news of war and hunger and sin and death and destruction. And so in the midst of the Advent season, this is an opportunity for us to remember that we have to fix our eyes on something deeper and bigger and more than what is constantly thrown up in our face on a daily basis. That there is good news of great joy that someday will prevail over all the news, all the bad news that is in our world. And the apostles knew this. They understood this. And so let me read you a passage from 1 Peter chapter 4 that really helps us understand right where we stand right now. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. Listen closely. But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, that is to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Messiah, his suffering for the world, his suffering to bring his light to the world, his suffering to make all things new in the world, his rejection and his opposition by the world, to the degree that you share in all of that, keep on rejoicing. Right now, in the present, in this world, where you're suffering, where things are hard, where you're, you're suffering even in prayer for the, the, the soul of the world, right? To that degree, keep on rejoicing right now in the present so that, this is what Peter says, so that, with the goal that, with the aim that, at the revelation of his glory, when he comes again and the curtain is pulled back and we see the king for all his glory, at the revelation of his glory, you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. You may rejoice with joy exceeding abundantly beyond anything you can imagine. That's the idea. Notice the tension. You share in the sufferings of Christ. You're waiting for the revelation of his glory. But even now in the meantime, you can keep on rejoicing because you know that when his glory is fully revealed, there's going to be joy beyond anything like you've ever experienced. And that, my friends, is the Advent hope. The first Advent brought good news of great joy. And the second Advent of Messiah will bring joy beyond anything we have ever experienced in life. Both happen not because we whip up feelings of joy, but because we fixed our hope. We hitched our wagon, so to speak, to Messiah and his kingdom. And we're counting on that to restore all things and to bring joy like the joy of people at harvest, to, to bring exceeding rejoicing when oppression is done, the war is over, and all things are made new. So that's our Advent hope. And we stand in the present as people marked by great joy because we look back and we know the king has come. And we know that the king has defeated sin and death and the spiritual forces of evil. And so we rejoice in that news. Even now in the midst of our suffering and the difficulty of this world, we rejoice today, but we do so looking forward, knowing that there's even greater joy, joy that we can barely even conceive of now. There's greater joy to come when his second advent is revealed. And so my friends, this Advent season, I pray 
that you will rejoice exceedingly. You'll keep on rejoicing regardless of what's happening because your king has come and your king is coming again and he will make all things new. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I pray you have a blessed Christmas season, a blessed Advent season with your eyes fixed fully on the good news of Messiah and his coming once and his coming again. God bless. I look forward to talking with you again next week.